Hello and welcome to Strat News Global. I am Subrat Nanda and I have with me Kazim Rizvi, founding director of Policy Think Dialogue, to talk about the new digital media guidelines. Kazim, welcome to the program. Hi, Subrat. What's Thank the you essence so for having me? Yeah, thanks. What's the essence of the new social media rules that have taken effect today? So let's look look at the essence of the rules. Um, and basically, there are three main things, uh, you know, which we need to look at here. Number one is that over the last few years, and I think many years, we've seen a rise of fake news, misinformation, problematic content proliferating on social media platforms. A lot of child sexual abuse material, which has been proliferating and spreading across social media. And it has been becoming increasingly difficult uh, also for the government to be able to regulate the space, as well as uh, making sure that they are able to provide the best ecosystem for opinions, etc. Now, having said that, there was definitely a need to regulate the space, right? Because of so much of rise of fake news, governments are globally also we are looking at trying to regulate the internet. The challenge is uh, how do we make sure that we regulate the internet, we bring greater transparency and accountability from the platforms, while at the same time we ensure the security of the user as well as the privacy of the user. So I think that balance is something which governments across the world, world have been working on. And the new rules have a lot of good intention when it comes to regulating the space. But at the same time, there is a need to look at fine-tuning some of the aspects of the rules to make sure that we don't tend to over-regulate the space or we do not sort of curb free speech. Now, another key point I sort of want to mention is that uh, on the platform side, right, we need timely and regular reporting. Uh, we need better accountability. So I think those are some of the aspects which are being addressed in the rules, that the rules are sort of trying to have greater uh, accountability from the platforms. The rules are also sort of talking about, uh, you know, appeal mechanism. So let's say if your content is taken down, you can go and appeal and ask why was it taken down. So there are there are really good features of the rules, timely grievance addressing mechanisms as well. Having said that, there are certain concerns with the rules. I mean, we look at the takedown timeline, uh, which is 24 to 36 hours, then the whole criminal liability, personal liability of employees, as well as traceability and uh, non-compliance of the provisions would lead to loss of safe harbor of platforms. So I think there are certain aspects which have to be addressed. Another point is that before these rules, if an intermediary would come to know or if it would have actual knowledge of problematic content, then it would be bound to take down through an order or a government order or a court order. The share single judgment of 2015 put this into law by the Supreme Court. Now what is happening is that these rules are proactively asking companies and intermediaries to filter content and identify problematic content. And if they don't do that, then they may lose their safe harbor. So from a reactive approach, we are moving towards a proactive approach. The challenges of this would be that platforms would start overcompensating and sort of remove content first before really analyzing whether the appeal was legitimate or not. So I think those are some of the technicalities and concerns and challenges which have to be addressed. Broadly speaking, we do need to regulate the internet space 
we need greater accountability and transparency from platforms itself right i think that's something which is very important and i do feel that we need a law we need a system in place which has adequate checks and balances so that even when there is additional requirements of regulation we do not end up curbing free speech for the user what's wrong if the government wants to know who started the mischief so i think there is nothing wrong with the fact that if the government wants to know who started the mischief in fact the government has every right to know how the mischief mischief is getting along what is problematic content and where it's spreading in fact there are two three things i just want to sort of highlight one is that over the many years last many years we've seen that when it comes to data access governments have faced a lot of challenges due to the domestic laws and how they function especially the mlat procedure right it takes a lot of time for the government to get access to data and then do their investigation and uh, drive law enforcement so that has been a big challenge the second challenge which the government has been sort of facing is uh, adequate access to data within the time frame they require so let's say if, if a crime is committed and if you're getting it after a month's time in the, on the internet things move very fast so data yeah. access has definitely been a challenge now how do we go around this so on one hand we need stronger agreements bilateral agreements with the us with the european union to sort of meet the deficit of mlat where we can have direct relationship with the the us or the eu agencies and sort of have a direct bilateral uh, arrangement where we can get access to data the moment we require right so that's one solution which i see which could help in this case the other point is the fact that when you look at encrypted devices uh, of course a lot of messages are shared which may not be seen by government or the platforms themselves and a lot of problematic content has been sort of proliferating across these encrypted platforms you have whatsapp or signal or whatever that may be to meet those challenges the best solution here is to have an arrangement where you can collect and analyze metadata right so metadata is basically data of data so let's say if uh, you and i are talking and we are having a chat and there is a problematic conversation going on the government has every right to understand okay who is talking uh, what could be the time stamp uh, the ip address or whatever additional data or metadata requirement they may seek that by itself is sufficient enough and has been proven to be sufficient enough in many cases where it can help government drive law enforcement and solve investigation so metadata analysis is something which has been proven and we've seen platforms cooperate with government and government also sort of talking to platforms to make sure that this goes through so that's the other aspect where i think there is greater scope of development the third point is around the fact that government's own capacity or capabilities to analyze metadata and to analyze through forensic means to understand how and who is chatting to whom and if there is a problematic conversation going on and somebody is plotting sort of a, let's say an attack on the country or any sort of a problematic situation going on then they can get access to those conversation or to those uh, ecosystem through targeted metadata analysis without having to break encryption or without having to do traceability on encrypted platforms which is now being proposed so i think there i believe there is certain areas still where we can fine tune the law as well as the collaboration between the government and the uh, tech companies i think both have to happen at the same time technically speaking original traceability is challenging it's not that it can't be done it can be done but then it could undermine encryption 
And that's something which experts, technical experts, privacy experts have been speaking. Second aspect is that uh, does it violate right to privacy of Article 19 and also does it violate sort of freedom of expression? So I think that's another debate which is now taking place. Is it proportionate? Is it legitimate? Is it legally possible to break through the entire chain of encryption to catch certain criminals or certain anti-national elements, which is legitimate requirement of the state? So how do we arrive at a balance where we do not compromise the larger privacy of the users and get to the point where we need to find the culprits for any problematic content they might be sharing, which is required by the state to do in its law enforcement purpose. So I think that's the balance which I think uh, has to be met. And we've seen this, that worldwide as well, there is a lot of discussion happening, okay, how do we work around encryption? Because in encryption, you cannot see the chats. But at the same time, there are many other ways like metadata analysis or through improving bilateral treaties or bilateral arrangement between India and other countries to seek demand of data right then and there, which can really help law enforcement solve a lot of its problems. Uh, one challenge of traceability is that when you open up the back door of a system, you make it vulnerable. It becomes vulnerable to Chinese hackers. It becomes mm -hmm. vulnerable to uh, cyber criminals. It becomes vulnerable. So let's a lot of spoofing can also be done. So let's say if there is a problematic content being shared on, let's say, WhatsApp or Signal, then very smart cyber criminals can actually spoof IDs of different people and that could lead to wrongful liability or wrongful assumption of the fact that person A shared it, but it was actually person B and somebody spoofed into person A mischievously. So we need to be a little sort of careful about this uh, in terms of the cyber security challenges as well of traceability. Another problem I see is, you know, you will ask these companies like Signal WhatsApp to store a lot of data. And if basically, because if you are asking for traceability, then you can't just trace it from A to B, you have to route the entire conversation. And that message may have been shared multiple times through multiple channels of messages. So you will have to break into all those communications, store those communications. And if those communications become vulnerable, that could also lead to privacy violations as well as security violations of the people. So I think definitely, A, there is a demand and legitimate demand of the government which must be met. Platforms need to do more when it comes to collaborating with government of India as well as globally. I think they need to do a lot more when it comes to sort of sharing metadata analysis and helping government also to sort of analyze it. And governments themselves can, and government of India can itself do a lot more in terms of our own capacity of improving our own forensic systems, our own technical systems to make sure that with the least amount of data at hand, we can actually sort of have a trail of a criminal or a profile of a criminal required to actually pinpoint the right person who could be behind a mischievous act. So is striking a balance between, as you just said, privacy and accountability, is it possible? I think it is definitely possible. You know, you have asked a very important question, the fact that how do we make sure that privacy is maintained without compromising security? And it's an ever-growing question, uh, Subhad. I mean, the answer is, in simple terms, yes, uh, there is a possibility and it's not even about a compromise right when it comes to crimes which are taking place a lot of crimes actually originate on social media like a lot of planning and a lot of sort of uh, you know discussion and a lot of problematic content is shared which is harmful from a national security perspective 
It's harmful from a given privacy perspective. A lot of child sexual material is shared, revenge porn material is shared, which lead to real crimes on the ground, right? So there is no denying, and I do uh, sort of really appreciate that the government is taking interest in solving some of these problems to the fact that they are actually looking to regulate and have technology companies respond to some of these challenges. Because we've also seen that many times there have been delays and there have been inconsistent application of, uh, you know, their own policies. So I do believe that on one hand, the government has done the right thing of trying to address some of these issues. The challenge is, is the method the right method? Can we have less intrusive methods of meeting these issues? Can we have more privacy-involving method to meet these issues? And I think that's where uh, we've been sort of talking to experts and we've been seeing around across the globe as well that there are certain other measures which are more privacy-focused, less intrusive, and can help government meet its own target without having to really bother about violating the privacy of users, right? National security is also not just about the security of the state at large, but it also boils down to your and my privacy as well. It also talks, I mean, also about privacy of individual users. If their mobile phones are susceptible to Chinese hackers, if their mobile phones are susceptible to, you know, criminals or cyber criminals who are waiting for vulnerabilities to, to come through WhatsApp. Now, for example, WhatsApp Signal. These are, the, I think, the two most, or Telegram, three most messaging apps which are being used. If these apps end up leaking or breaching data, important conversations, classified information, sensitive conversations between businesses can get leaked. That can lead to great harm, which in the larger context of India would lead to huge problem for the country at large. How do we prevent that from happening, as well as making sure that we are able to catch the culprits who are behind mischievous acts, who are spreading misinformation, who are planning, sort of plotting against the country, who are creating these sort of uh, these discussions where people are sort of sharing misinformation. The right answer to do that, it's a work in progress. When you have a lot of technicalities with metadata analysis, and we have seen this happen in Israel and US and other countries as well, some of the most advanced countries in security are actually the most advanced with their own metadata analysis. And I think we have to build and invest in that for Indian intelligence, for Indian security establishment, for Indian defense establishment. Having said that, there is already a lot of great work happening in India around metadata analysis. We've seen that over the, I think recently Delhi Police also launched a new sort of a center for metadata analysis. And a lot of work is already going on. So the government is very clear and they know what they're doing. So there is no doubt about the fact that government is not aware. They're very aware of the fact that they need to build these systems, improve the systems, and to be able to enforce some of these aspects. So they are on it and they're doing it. The challenge lies in if you are if you are opening an entire ecosystem of communications, you are leaving it vulnerable to hackers. And it's not, it's not a system which is run by the government. It's a private system. So, yeah. I mean, even if, less, if, if, if it was run by the government, there would be greater trust. And we would assume, okay, fine. The government would ensure that if we are talking to them uh, and they have the system running, maybe they would make sure that the security is strong. If a private system gets hacked, and we've seen this with so many data breaches of late uh, taking place, millions of users of mobile numbers and other information is, is going uh, is going on the dark web, right? Here, 
communication, private chats would get compromised. And I think that's the most sensitive part of any data, which we, we will end up compromising. So I think definitely there is scope. I feel that metadata analytics one way is the right way of helping the state do its job. I think the second is also enforcement because we've also understood and there is a lot of data which the government gets around the data requests it asks other companies to have. So it does get a lot of information, data requests, whatever it has, it gets information. There is a need to increase some sort of enforcement when it comes to lodging of FIRs or going after the culprit. So I think a lot more can be done. I do feel there is a lot more resources which are needed to also, uh, you know, just map all of this and properly sort of uh, analyze the data and then uh, solve those crimes by looking at uh, these various data sets. I think we need to really invest in our resources. We also need to be able to have a strong data protection law which we don't have. But again, the government is working on that. Uh, in 2018, they come up with a draft. In 2019, they came up with a second draft, which is still in the parliament. So hopefully, you know, without much delay, if we, if we pass the law this year, that law will give government a lot of teeth to ensure privacy of users, right? So at this stage, I would say if we can pass the data law, if we have a data protection authority within the data protection law, it will be in a better position to coordinate with various sectoral regulators, audit policies of platforms, you know, come up with better privacy respecting standard operating procedures for platform, just a better auditing of how a platform is processing a user data. At this stage, the government doesn't have a regulator which can actually analyze a processing infrastructure of any platform. So those aspects will only come when the data protection law is in place. And I think there are many things which we need. We need metadata analytics, data protection law, we need better enforcement. We also need, you know, greater bilateral treaties between the US and other countries to faster to have faster exchange of data. On that note, Kazim, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much, Bhat. Thank you so much.